If you have your Bible, please open it up to Acts chapter 16. While everyone is turning to Acts chapter 16, I'd just like to say welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. We have a great crowd here with us as we are continuing to study the Word of God and to worship our Father in spirit and truth. I don't know about you, but this morning has gone by really, really fast. We began by singing praises to worship or praises to God in our first hour of worship, and we had our Bible classes where we dived into the Scriptures, and now we have gathered together again to continue to honor our Father in heaven. I'm so thankful to be here today. It certainly is a beautiful day outside, and certainly is a beautiful day to to gather together as God's people. May God bless each and every one of you. I know we have a number from uh, the community. We have friends from out of town, and it's just great to be here and great to see so many of our members who are here this morning. Thank you for being here. In Acts chapter 16, we're going to begin our study here in just a moment. And I want you to think about life for just a moment. In life, there are numerous questions that all of us are going to have to ask and make sure that we answer. And yet there's maybe one question that I want us to really focus more upon, one bigger question that all of us really need to address. It's a question that many of us have already considered. It's a question that many of us have already answered. And it could be that there are some here this morning who are asking this question and maybe even thinking more about this question. It is a question of what must I do to be saved? I know that there are people who are genuinely thinking about this question. I know Anna and I, for the last couple of months, have been studying with a a young woman who's been thinking about this question and learning more about Jesus and what she needs to do to be saved. And I know that there are others here who may be studying with, uh, with others who also are seeking to answer this question. What must I do to be saved? It's not a new question. It's been a question that has been asked for a long period of time. And we actually read about a man in Acts chapter 16 who who would raise or ask this very question. This man is described as the Philippian jailer. And in Acts chapter 16, he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? The book of Acts is a powerful book because it helps one to understand more about uh, God and his church. It helps us to understand a lot when it comes to salvation in Jesus Christ and what individuals need to do to be saved. In the book of Acts, in particular Acts chapter 16, this is a powerful story. It's a great story of a man who's given a second chance, a man who's given an opportunity to become right with God, a man who's going to understand and learn things about Jesus Christ. This question, what must I do to be saved, is a question that I'm sure many people talk about and many people are asking, and yet unfortunately, many times people come to the wrong conclusion. There are many churches in Louisville and Flower Mound and Denton and Argyle and many people who are proclaiming the Word of God and maybe even trying to answer this question. And yet unfortunately at times, people are given the wrong answer to this question. Brothers and sisters, friends, this is a question we can't get wrong. This is a question that we need to make sure that we answer correctly, a question that we are able to help others to make sure that they are answering correctly as well. And so as we look at Acts chapter 16, this is going to be a very important study. While many of us may have already been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, this is the story reminding us what is required when it comes to receiving salvation in Jesus Christ. And if you're thinking about salvation in Christ and you're contemplating becoming a Christian, this is a a study for you as well. It's a study that reminds us about the power of God and what men and women need to do. I want to begin our study this morning by looking at Acts chapter 16. And if we can, I'd just like to read for a little bit, beginning in verse number 14. In Acts chapter 16 and verse number 14, where we pick up the context, we will read more about the Philippian jailer later on in Acts chapter 16. But let's look in verse number 10. Here we find Paul 
uh, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse number 10. The Bible says, A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her husband had been, ba- or household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. This is something that the disciples of Jesus experienced all throughout their ministry, all throughout their work, persecution. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs, which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. So think about that for a second. I think Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 25 talked about how he had been beaten on numerous occasions, and this is going to be one of those occasions where he was beaten with rods. And I don't believe there would have been a limit that these individuals would have followed or stopped at. They could have beat them until they felt until they felt content doing so. So there's no limit here, and they're beating now Paul and Silas. They beat him with rods. In verse 23, when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. So now we're introduced to the jailer, this man that we're going to read about who is going to be converted to Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says in verse number 23 again, when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Again, I'm always impressed by what Paul and Silas were doing. I don't know about you, but if I'm already thrown into prison, I've already received many blows. The fact that they're singing and praising God is something really powerful to think about. And they're singing in such a way, they're praising God in such a way that, that other people hear this. The other prisoners around them, they hear this in verse number 25. And it's midnight. It's late into the night. They were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Isn't that an interesting story, too? The fact that this earthquake took place and it shook the, shook the foundation so that the chains were, chains were shaken and the chains were unfastened, and yet everybody is still in the prison. 
No one left. And it's fascinating, this earthquake happened and the walls didn't cave in, the ceiling didn't come down. It's an amazing thing that took place here. And yet we find that this jailer, he's sleeping throughout all of this. And then when he wakes up and he sees the prison doors open, he's drawing his sword and he's about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And that's an interesting response as well. When you consider what had happened to Paul. He had been beaten with many blows. Now he's in a prison cell. This man had put the stocks on him, and yet Paul is crying out, do not harm yourself, for we're all here. And so the jailer responds in verse 29, or says, and he called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There's our question right there. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. What a powerful story this is of this man who was given this great opportunity of being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. When I think about this story, when I look at this story, it becomes very apparent early on that this man, described as the Philippian jailer, this man had a problem. You go back and look at the text again in verse number 27. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He recognized that he had a problem. As the jailer, that was his responsibility to make sure that no one escaped. And if anyone did escape, then he is the one that's going to have to bear that responsibility. And so he recognized what was going to happen to him. He recognized what was soon to come his way, that he was going to have to face punishment and that ultimately he would die. And so he's going to take matters into his own hands. In verse 27, he said he was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And so he recognized that he had a major problem, but what else is interesting is that when you look at this story in Acts chapter 16, he would come to recognize that there was another problem that he had. He would cry out to Paul and Silas. In verse number 29, he fell down before them, trembling with fear, he fell down before them. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This man at some point in time recognized that he was in need of salvation. And I have certain questions about the story as well. How did he reach this conclusion, this Philippian jailer? How did he reach the conclusion that he even needed to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Maybe it was because of some of the things that he was hearing from Paul and Silas at midnight while they were singing praises to God. Or maybe it was because he knew the background story of what had taken place earlier as a result of what got them into prison. So he already knew some things about Paul and Silas and maybe what they had been preaching. But at some point in time, there's a recognition that this man realized that he had a problem, that he was in need of help, and that he was asking and trying to figure out what is it that I need to do to be saved. And i got to tell you, when you look at Acts chapter 16, you got to give credit to this man because he did realize that he had a problem. And that this was a problem that he needed to address. And seemingly, Paul and Silas would be able to help him with this problem. The question I want us all to consider, and I know many of us have, but it's a question that everyone really needs to think about. Do we really realize the problem that we have? Do we realize the problem that mankind has? The problem of sin. 
You know, it can be very easy to look at other people and to compare ourselves to other people and say, well, I'm not as bad as that person there. And I, yeah, maybe I make some mistakes from time to time, but, but I'm a pretty good person overall. And yet we, many, many times we fail to uh, really realize the consequence of sin. We can marginalize sin and we can marginalize things we do or don't do, and yet we need to fully understand that we all have this problem. And the problem is the problem of sin. And yet sin is not really discussed as much. It is not not often a topic that people really want to dive into, but it really is a problem that everyone really needs to realize. And this man recognized that indeed he had a problem. And Jesus is the one that came to earth because of this problem. I want you to notice in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45, turn over here. I'm going to give you a, a couple of passages just to think about here to really help us to see how much of a problem sin really is. In Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45, I want you to listen to what Jesus said here. In Mark 10 and verse number 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus would have to give his life for us because of this problem of sin. I want you to notice what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15 as Paul was rehearsing his story and what Jesus had already done. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 15, listen to what Paul said here. We'll start in verse number, let's just start in verse number 12. In verse number 12, the Bible says, I thank Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, Paul said this, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly, ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more abundant, more than abundant, with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Paul recognized this problem, and he recognized that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The jailer recognized this problem. Paul recognized this problem. The question is, do we recognize this problem? Do people today still recognize that they have a problem? There is something wrong that this issue of sin is a big deal that needs to be addressed. We often talk about the good news of Jesus, and indeed, Jesus and what he has done and the gospel, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's bad news, and the bad news is that sin separates us from God. That sin is going to cause us to, to miss out on the great blessings that God wants to give us. And so we need to understand that while there is good news, we also need to acknowledge the bad news, that we indeed have this problem. And maybe one of the biggest challenges that people have is to fully grasp the gravity of sin and how serious sin really is in the eyes of God. And this man is crying out, what must I do to be saved? There's some recognition that this man had, some acknowledgement that indeed he had a problem. And this is what the, the preachers and the apostles, this is what they taught all throughout the book of Acts. They would emphasize that indeed there is a problem. And what Jesus has done, I want you to go back to Acts chapter 7, and there's a lot of examples. I'm not going to give you too many, but in Acts chapter 7, I want you to notice at the end of Stephen's sermon, in Acts chapter 7, in verse number 51 and 52, as Stephen was rehearsing the history of the Israelites, 
Israelites. To the Jewish audience, he said in verse number 51 and verse number 52, he said, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You see what he's talking about? See what he's emphasizing? This problem of sin and wickedness and what individuals have done. And this is something that people, that the, the prophets and those in the first century, they emphasize this time and time again. And yet it can be hard for us to really admit that I have a problem, that, that we do have this problem when we consider how God looks at mankind and this issue that we have concerning sin. And so when you go back to Acts chapter 16, the jailer, he went out to Paul and Silas, he brought them out. He's trembling with fear, and he's asking this question, what must I do to be saved? And so there's some uh, recognition that indeed he had a problem, but here's the good news. Paul is going to help him to see that indeed there is a solution. He was given a solution. You go back to the text in Acts chapter 16 and verse 28, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus. I want you to see that. He's emphasizing this is where you can have this solution. Here's the solution to your problem. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. There's so much to say about this interaction that Paul had here with respect to the Philippian jailer. One of the things that I think is important for us as Christians, this man was about to harm himself. He was about to take his own life. And Paul cried out, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Paul knew that he had the solution because he had the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we need to know that we have the solution to the problem that so many have, that we know who Jesus is. And more than ever, we need to be crying out to individuals that we can help them because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus has done. And so Paul told him, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And he's gonna, he said in verse 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So what Paul began to do, he began to talk about Jesus. And this man needed to learn some things about Jesus. And we've already seen from other passages like 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15 and Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45 why Jesus came. He came to deliver us from our sins because he is the one that can help us with our biggest problem. And it was Jesus throughout his ministry, and I'm sure Paul would emphasize so much of this. Jesus in his ministry would talk about who he was and what he came to do. He made these great claims, and certainly he demonstrated and backed up those claims by being raised from the dead. I want you to notice what Jesus said here, and maybe this is some of, of some of the discussion that Paul had with this Philippian jailer. Look over in John chapter 8 and verse number 58. This is something certainly that people need to know about Jesus today. In John chapter 8 and verse number 58, listen to what Jesus said here as he was speaking to the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus was emphasizing that he is eternal in nature, and certainly this is what people need to understand when it comes to Jesus and who he is. In John chapter 14, another text where Jesus said something about himself, I want you to look there. In John 14 and verse number 6, notice what Jesus said here. In John chapter 14 and verse number 6, as he was talking to his apostles, he said this. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This is what people need to understand as well. 
as people are taught the word of God, as people are taught more about who Jesus is, they need to understand that he is the solution, that he's eternal in nature, that he is the only way to God the Father, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by him. And people need to know that Jesus, he's the source. He's the source of eternal life. And people need to believe that he is the source of eternal life. In John chapter 8 and verse number 23 and 24, listen to what Jesus said here. And this is why this is so important that the Philippian jailer understand who Jesus is and make sure that he believed in Jesus. In John chapter 8 and verse 23 and 24, this is Jesus speaking. And he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And certainly the Philippian jailer had to believe that Jesus indeed is the Son of God. All throughout the ministry of Jesus, he would emphasize who he was and the things that he had done. He would talk about in John chapter 2 and verse number 19. Look over in John chapter 2 and verse number 19 what Jesus said here. In John chapter 2 and verse number 19, Jesus answered them and he said this, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It took 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. As Jesus, throughout his ministry, he made these claims about himself, and he was going to back up the things that he said because all the things that he said about himself were true. And he spoke about the fact that, yes, he would die, but yes, he would be risen from the grave. And certainly, as Paul and Silas are teaching the word of God to this man, this man is learning about Jesus, who he is, and why he came to earth, and the fact that, indeed, he died on the cross for the sins of the world. And certainly, they're going to emphasize the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to this man. That's what this man would need to know and understand. And certainly this is what men today need to understand about Jesus. Look over in John chapter 20. The gospels help us and remind us about the power of the resurrection and that Jesus certainly did die and that he was risen from the grave. And each of the gospels emphasize the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And certainly this is what John is doing here. In John chapter 20 and verse number 1, John said, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two, the two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. The emphasis of the resurrection is found all throughout the New Testament. And this is what men and women need to believe, that Jesus did die, that he was buried, and that he rose from the grave on the first day of the week. And when I think about this story with the Philippian jailer, as Paul and Silas are speaking to this man late into the evening, early in, in the early morning hours, and talking to his entire household, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. He would have to learn some things about Jesus. And certainly he would learn these things about who Jesus is. 
and why he came to earth and what he accomplished on the cross and the fact that he was risen from the grave. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And so he was learning from the word of God. They spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. This is what the jailer needed. Jesus was the solution. He is the solution, and yet he needed to understand some things about Jesus and what Jesus has done and why he came and why he died. And this is what men and women need to know today. Men and women need to know not only about their sins, but men and women need to know about Jesus and the fact that indeed Jesus, he is the solution. And men and women need to understand who he is. And when it comes to being delivered from our sins, people need to know that only Jesus can deliver us from our sins. That he is the solution to our biggest problem. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me or by me. And so this man is learning about Jesus. He recognized that he had a problem. He was given a solution, Jesus. You need to believe that Jesus, believe in Jesus and who he is, and you will be saved, you and your entire household. And yet he would have to learn some things about Jesus. And then we see in the story, after he was given this solution, the story doesn't end there. We see in the, at the end of this story that this man took action. I want you to notice again in Acts chapter 16 and verse number 31. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Many times people just stop here in verse number 31. Well, okay, he believed in Jesus, he learned some things about Jesus, and now he's good to go. But the story doesn't end there. The Bible says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. So they're talking to his entire household. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, which is a pretty powerful thing to think about after the fact that he was the one that threw them into the prison and put them in stocks. And so he's washing their wounds. And now notice this. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them, Paul and Silas, and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. And so while this man had a problem, he was given the solution. Jesus is the solution. And he needed to believe in Jesus in order to be saved. But the story doesn't end there. He not only had to believe, but he also had to take action. And when I think about Acts chapter 16, I really see that this is a story about action. There's a lot of people who are taking action. You think about what Paul would have explained to the jailer concerning Jesus Christ and how he took action, how he left heaven, and how he lived on earth, and how he lived a sinless life, how he died for our sins, and how he was risen from the grave. Indeed, Jesus was a man of action. And Paul and Silas, they took action, did they not? They see this man getting ready to harm himself, getting ready to kill kill himself, and they cry out, do yourself no harm. And they took action by speaking and teaching to him the very word of God so that he could truly understand who Jesus is and have faith in Jesus Christ. And the jailer would also take action. This is a story of action. Yes, this man would come to understand and know some things about Jesus and believe that he is the son of God, and yet he would still have to take some action. Notice what the jailer didn't do. When you read this story, and many times people will say this about this story, Notice that nowhere in the story did the jailer ever quote or say some prayer and take an action to be saved. He never did that in the story. And that's because people saying a prayer to accept Jesus Christ in their hearts, that's not what we find in the book of Acts, nor do we find it here in this story. But what we do find is that this man took action. 
he was taught the truth about Jesus, and he believed the things that he was taught concerning Jesus. But there's more that he did. When you look at verse number 33 and 34, he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. You see, he took action there as well. Not only did he believe, but as a result of believing in Jesus and who he is and what he has done and understanding the facts about Jesus Christ, he was baptized for the forgiveness of his sins. He responded with an obedient heart to the things in which he had been taught. And it's at this moment that this man now is saved and, has, and is now right with God. After he was baptized, he and his household. And he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly having believed in God. He certainly understood the facts about Jesus Christ and that belief also encompassed his response to those facts with obedience by being baptized into Jesus Christ. Now sometimes when people read this or hear this, they may say, well, are you really sure about that? Did he really need to be baptized to be saved? You know, he just said, look, believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Wasn't that enough? Well, certainly he had to believe in Jesus. And yet he would also have to respond with obedience. And we can know that what this man did is what we all must do. What this man did was right in the sight of God. He had to first hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He had to hear some things about Jesus. And he certainly had to believe those things. But not only that, you look at what Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16. Turn over there. This man did exactly what Jesus said to do. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, Jesus said, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. This man did what, did what Jesus said to do. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know if he really needed to be baptized. Wasn't he already saved? No, he was not. He certainly believed in Jesus, but he needed to respond or act upon that belief with obedience by being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And it's not only Jesus who said this. If people have questions about this or have doubts or concerns about this, Paul said the same thing. I want you to notice in Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16. In Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16, notice what Paul said as he was rehearsing his conversion story. In Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16, as Ananias was speaking to him, the Bible says, Paul said, or Ananias said, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. You see, what the Bible helps us to see, brothers and sisters, friends, those who may be visiting, what the Bible helps us to see, we certainly have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have to believe that he has risen from the grave. And yet we also have to understand that baptism is in order to be saved. It is where we reach the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us of all of our past sins. And so he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And that's exactly what the Philippian jailer did. And so we have to read the story and get all the details because first he had to learn some things about Jesus. He would have to believe those facts that Paul was telling him and teaching him as he gave him the word of the Lord. And he would also have to respond to what it was that God wanted him to do. He responded with obedience by immediately being baptized into Christ. And he responded immediately, him and his household. Why? Because his soul was on the line. He had asked the question, what must I do to be saved? And now Paul has given him the solution, the answer with respect to what it is that he needed to do to be saved. 
And now it was up to him to take action. It was up to him to respond. And this is what we find all throughout the New Testament, that this is how people respond to the Word of God. And because this man took action, because this man had faith in Jesus, he would be saved by God's amazing grace. He would be saved by God's grace. He didn't work for it. He certainly didn't deserve it or earn it, but he took the action that the Lord required him to do to receive this free gift of salvation. And so the point of all of this is that this question that this man answered or asked, he got the answer to. What must I do to be saved? He was pointed to Jesus. He had to learn some things about Jesus. And he also had to respond to what it was that God wanted him to do. He had to respond with obedience. And so I want to go back and I want to ask you the question again. This question, what must I do to be saved? Have you thought about that question? I know this audience, many of us have already thought and I have only thought about it, but we have answered, we have responded with obedience. One thing I think we can take away from this story is this. People need to hear the story of Jesus. And we know what Jesus has done. We know who he is. And we know that he's a solution to the biggest problem that mankind has. And we need to be crying out like Paul like never before. Don't harm yourself. We can help you because we have the solution in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that's something, a way for us to respond from this story. Secondly, I think it's just a a great story to remember the love of God. And how we interact with people, with Paul and Silas, and the fact that they saw this man as a soul needing salvation. And there's something powerful to be said. And maybe there's someone here who's been thinking about this question. What must I do to be saved? How are you going to respond to this, to that question? Jesus indeed is a solution. And he is willing to forgive you of all your sins if you're willing to respond the proper way, if you're willing to truly believe, if you're willing to truly take action and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, God has already done his part. Jesus has already done his part. The Holy Spirit has given us these words so that we can know what it is that we need to do to be right with God. The question is, are we going to do our part? Let's make sure that we respond with obedience. This story is a powerful story about God's grace, and about how men and women can be saved. And while we may have heard this story plenty of times before, let us truly appreciate the salvation that we have in Christ. Let us truly recognize that this is what mankind needs. They need to be delivered from their sins. And if you're here this morning and you need to be delivered from your sins, let us know. We'd love to study the Word of God with you and teach you more about Jesus and what you need to do to become a child of God. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.